Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. Well, excuse me just a minute. I forgot. Something. Got to talking and forgot it. Oh, here we go. you guys being here tonight, and welcome to our Bible study on TalkShoe. How you doing, Brother David? I'm doing good, Pastor Don. Looking amen, forward to tonight. Amen, brother. I'm, amen, amen, amen. I'm sorry we got started off on the wrong foot there. I just, we got to talking about something before the program started downloaders, and I forgot to hook my speakers up. So anyway, Brother David, if you would open us in a word of prayer, brother. Certainly. Father, we come to you tonight with joy and expectancy, knowing that you delight in your children and your people, and that the Holy Spirit was sent to us to be a comforter, a teacher to us. And we pray this night that the Holy Ghost 
uh, fulfill the office of teacher and teach us in our hearts and minds that he will take the words spoken by Pastor Don and cause them to dwell in our hearts and minds throughout this coming week, next week, and that he would expand on those ideas and those words, those scriptures, and cause us to get into certain areas that you want us to be taught more deeply in and, and do studies in those areas ourselves. And I pray for everyone who's listening tonight or who will download that is in need, that's crying out to you in their heart and in their mind, who has a prayer that where they need help from God. I pray that their need would be met, Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would fulfill the cry of their heart exceedingly abundantly in the manner in which only you can do it, in ways that we didn't even expect. You would pour out blessings and, and fill the needs, or if it's a need of correction, then let the correction come yes, and, and let the person respond quickly. Yes. And, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the book of Job, and I know that you're going to open doors to us tonight through the book of Job. And for all these things, I'm truly grateful. In the name of Jesus, let it be so. Amen. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Okay, folks. Job chapter 32. Read the last verse in chapter 31, Brother David. Okay. And then go right to Job chapter 32, verse 1 and 2. Well, verse 1. Just read the last verse in 31 and then the first verse in 32, and then I'll make some comments. Verse 40, chapter 31, verse 40. Let thistles grow instead of wheat and cockle instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. Uh, Job 32, verse 1. So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. All right. Job sounds pretty bitter in the last part of chapter 31. And those that are familiar with Job and don't really understand what's going on, well, he ever, ever right. It too. Look what all happened to him. Let me ask y'all a question. And if you know you folks know it in the chat room, write it down. Do you know who instigated this whole this this whole book of Job? You know who instigated everything? You know who was the instigator behind every bit of what we we went through so far? Who lit the fire? What's who was it? Who who instigated this? The whole thing. <laughs> I'm going to see who's been listening and who hasn't. I won't spoil it. <laughs> uh, I'll give it a few seconds. People get a lot of wrong ideas about this book. I just wanted to bring you down, back down to earth on it, of who started this whole thing. And no women, but don't worry if you don't know it's no big deal. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm just make sure I want to show you something. It'll help you out in the future. So anybody make a comment that wants to, you included, Brother David. You know who instigated this, do you? Yes, the Father. That's exactly correct. It was the Lord. See, most people think it was Satan, but it wasn't. It's the Lord. See, Job is secondary. See, the, what the Lord's actually doing, the Lord's showing one of his jewels. And it's an incomplete jewel at that. 
But that's what he's doing. Every bit of this is solely, if you want to quote-unquote use the word, the fault of the Father. Everything else is secondary. So think about this. When they say it's terminal, if you're truly a child of the king, and they say it's terminal, or somebody burns down your house, literally or figuratively, in life, to a child of God, nothing happens by chance. And the one that actually brings the to for, brings to bear the problems and troubles is always the Father, because nothing can be done without His permission. It might be a good idea for some of you to write those words down and put them on your wall where you don't forget it. So when you walk through the door and you've had a bad day at work and you want to let out a bunch of long line of four-letter words, just look on the wall. That's the reason it happened. Might put a smile on your face or maybe, you know, maybe you'll obey the Scripture and give thanks for it. See, doesn't that sound so anti, didn't that so contrary to the world's way of thinking of things? Isn't that so contrary? Yeah, it is, and, and you know, it, it's it's so important that we recognize these things because they were actually planned before the foundation of the entire world, before it was made, before it was formed and created. God already knew the plan, and he knew what was going to happen to Job, and Job was commissioned to do this, and we all have similar things. Absolutely. You see, for somebody to sit back and say that when everything when everything was smooth in their life, yeah. when everyone you know when all the bills are paid, when there's no wolf knocking at the door, when all the kids are smiled, clean, clothed, that's simple to say this kind of stuff. Simple to say this stuff when you know there's like I said, there's money in the bank and bills are paid and. Everything's smooth, or you are not have, don't have to terminally ill, or feel good, beautiful day. Being able to thank God on the cloudy, rainy, stormy days, I'm speaking metaphorically now, and, and literally, that's what our life as Christians, that's where we're supposed to shine, that's what we're supposed to learn, that's part of the process. When I learned these things from you, it, it brought me comfort looking back at some of the things that happened, you know. Amen, that they, it wasn't just an accident or it wasn't just the devil, you know, taking advantage of me. And, well, he was taking advantage of me in a way, but that it, it was all a purpose, a plan to help me. Amen. I heard teaching to a certain, I had, when the, at a certain moment in my life, is when the light clicked on for for me completely. I knew about the New Testament doctrine of Christian suffering and the reasons behind it mentally, okay? I knew it in my mind. And I would even talk, I would talk about it some for a certain period of time once I became a Christian. But the time when it really struck home and I'm, I'm probably, I've mentioned this before. When it really struck home is one day I got a telephone call and my ex 
sister-in-law said, Don, sit down. Your daughter just got killed in a car accident. Dinah got, Dinah's dead. They know they're freaking out and everything. And uh, it was a shock, to say the least. And I got bitter at God. I really did. For about 24 hours. Not in a big way. In a big way for about 30 minutes. But it built up to a crescendo. And I never will forget. I um, went up to where the accident took place. And oh, by the way, she ran head on into one of my best friends. And he killed, he, he's the one that was in the vehicle that killed her. And... Um, I went up to where the accident took place and spent about an hour and a half with the Lord. Then we hashed it all out, but I haven't had any problem with it since. Now, that's my story, see? That's the way the Lord dealt with me and worked with me. About 30 minutes, I got real bitter, you know, cussed him out. I'm talking about, you know, the four-letter word type cussing out. But he handled it like a father should handle it, like our Heavenly Father does handle things. If you're on the same page with him, you will work these things out, folks. If you have no clue what I'm talking about, there's some growing to do, little tree. Little tree. Brother David, you catch that? Yes, I did, sir. Yeah. Yes, there's some growing to do. Because that's what our life is all about, handling those certain moments, dealing with them the right way. But anyway, it's the Father, it's the Father. It's all in His omnipotence, in His sovereign mind. That's the way he wants. He wants us to be the best we can be. And you don't get to be the best. We can't become what we're supposed to be without the bad. It can not happen. It doesn't happen that way. The types, I mentioned it before, are all in nature of this very thing I'm talking about. Just like Paul talks about in Romans chapter 1. About the things which are unseen are actually clearly seen in God's creation. That's a paraphrase. But they are. Now you run around spending all your time in the Hebrew and Greek and trying to destroy the word of God which is already revealed and worrying about this word and that word. That can't be. All that. What have you learned? What is? Tell me please. How has that increased your faith? How has that helped you in your personal life, in your growth, in your process of growth? Or do you think you're just here to eat, drink, and be merry, have a good time, and just try to claim the name tag? Oh, Miss Light, I'm Christian. You think that's what it's all about? Hmm? Do you? Sadly mistaken. Very sad. That's not my opinion, by the way, either. 
Can't miss that boat, folks. Got you. Got to get that. That's part of growth. That under that's part of understanding. That's part of our spiritual wisdom. Can't miss that one. So the father's behind everything that's happened to Job, and Job is bitter. The words of Job have ended. Now then, we're going to get in some very interesting chapters. We're going to come across, in the very next verse, is going to pop up the author of the book of Job. They're all standing, Job's in the ash heap. Well, like I mentioned last program, with all the sores, all this stuff, all the pain, whatever disease it was, nobody knows for sure. All lost everything he's got. He's down to nothing but his own pain. Period. And all his wonderful friends have given their theological approach to it. And like I've told you ad nauseum coming through here for the first 31 chapters, they're not wrong. They're telling the truth, but not the complete truth. They're telling half-truths. They don't have the whole picture. Their theology is only partially correct. That's like understanding the Anglo-Israel truth and not understanding squat about the rest of the Word of God. That's the problem that Bildad, Zophar, and Elihu, I'm not Elihu, but um, Eliphaz had. Partial truth, partial revelation. Now we're going to hear from Someone that's just been listening instead of running his mouth. And we'll see what he's got to say about this situation. And we're also going to see what the problem was with Job, which I've I've done mention three or four times as we've come through this book. And we're I'm gonna we're gonna take a shoot off. We're gonna shoot off from what Elihu says. And we're going to, I'm going to bring it in to us today and and once more, once more, try to help you understand that your righteousness is absolutely, has no bearing on your eternity at all. This is important because the reason, a lot, let me explain something before we go any further. Folks, a lot of times, you that are here regular in the chat room, okay, you hear stuff over and over and over again. Well, if you hear it over and over again, then you ought, if I ask you the question, you ought to be able to tell me what I said, right? Yeah, of course. If, if it, you know, oh, I've heard that before. Do you know it then? See? But there's people download this program, and like Brother David was praying in opening prayer, there's people that just happen in, they hear, hear it for the first time. That's one of the problems of this type of teaching. With this approach on the internet, you never know. You have no idea. Therefore, you have to shotgun and you have to repeat things. That's the reason we went back to Romans so many times. That's the reason we've hit some of the same things over in Isaiah over and over again. Simply because of the avenue and the venue with which we present the word here on this program. So I just want you to keep that in mind as we go forward, all right? Because we're going to, like I said, we're going to take a trip shortly. 
into the New Testament. So go ahead, Brother David, verse 2. Verse 2. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakal, the Buzzite, of the kindred of Ram, against Job. But was his wrath kindled because he justified himself rather than God? There you go. He justified himself rather than God. And you hear it from individuals, and hey, it's commonplace to you until you come to the understanding of the righteousness of God. Brother David, while I'm um, talking, turn to Romans chapter 1. Understanding the righteousness of God, it's totally separate from your righteousness, folks. Anytime you're trying to reach and pull what you do connected with eternity, I'm talking about salvation. Well, you're, you, you, you're, just, you're, just, you're just screwed up. You don't know the book, period. You have no idea. You know some, you've heard some random verses, or you've seen some random verses in the Scripture that indicate that your eternal life has something to do with what you do, see? You've, heard, you've seen some random verses that has absolutely no application to you whatsoever. Because people don't just get out there and say what they say because they're trying to lie to you. Now, they may have a spirit and don't know they have it, and that's a deceiving spirit, which that's true. But a lot of these teachers out there that teaches lie, that teaches untruth, they're not doing it because... They're doing it out of animosity, folks. They're doing it because they're ignorant. Because they, they, they take subjects and they have, not, they have not immersed themselves, which is commanded that they do immerse themselves in the entire Word of God. They either spend their time on one subject or they either spend their time on trying to find a fault with God's Word or they, or they don't spend any time at all in it. Okay? That's the problem. Because if they got away, got just got rid of all those three faults, and their heart was right, like Brother David was talking about earlier, when when he was talking about how the Lord turns on the light of spiritual understanding, then they would they would be on the same page. And and, and don't get me wrong, I'm the last one, and the last one will ever claim any kind of grand. I ain't nothing, folks. I'm dirt. I'm pure. I'm nothing but a sinner saved by grace. That's all. Okay, I'm a teacher. But I do, I do know how the Lord reveals things to people. He'll quit revealing, and it's not, and it's not because he wants to. It's because you put him in the position to where he has to. Job did exactly the same thing. He justified himself rather than God. You remember the other night when we were in Luke? It talked about them stewards. We're 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 unprofitable servants. We just do that which we're supposed to, we're we're commanded to do. That's a paraphrase, like I said the other night. But that was the Lord talking. It's all about Him. It ain't about you. See, you push the higher you push Him up, the lower you get, and the lower you get. In this life, the higher you get in eternity, but at the same time, you have to temper. You have to have a temperate spirit and heart, understanding, not, not reveling in that, 
Because you can be proud of your own humility, see? The road's narrow, folks. It's narrow. Not wide. Romans 1, verse 16 and 17, Brother David. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Romans chapter 1. Yeah, that's right. That's 116. That's right. Go ahead. Okay, I'll start again. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. It's revealed from faith to faith, or individual to individual. Because How do you know that? Because of the last part of the verse, the just shall live by faith. Romans chapter 3, verse 5, brother. Okay. Verse 5, but... If our unrighteousness commend the un- the righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unrighteous who taketh vengeance? In brackets, I speak as a man. Keep on reading. God forbid, for then how shall God judge the world? For if the truth of God hath more abounded through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. Okay. Listen, Romans chapter 3, I think it's verse 2, isn't it, Brother David, where it says, there's none righteous, no, not one. Isn't it 3.2 or 3.23? It's the 323, maybe, where it says there's none righteous, no, not one. Anyway, folks, let me just paraphrase this because we could spend the next hour on going through all these verses. Let me just tell you this. Please go study it. Please, please, please do. This is such an important subject. You owe it not only to your Father, which is in heaven, to get this situated and settled in your own heart. You owe it to yourself. Listen to what I'm fixing to tell you, okay? From Isaiah, from Isaiah chapter 25 to Isaiah chapter 50, to, to what? Let's go further to Isaiah chapter 60. You will see God's righteousness talked about over and over and over again. He talks about saving people with His righteousness talking about his people connected with his righteousness. And it all seems like a a mystery because he doesn't put it all together. Well, what we're going through here in Romans, the Apostle Paul puts it all together to where you understand what it means by the righteousness of God. Because without this righteousness, not you, not me, There's not a white person in the world. There's not an Israelite anywhere 
that gets in without God's righteousness. That's how important this subject is. And that's why I bring it up all the time. Romans 3.21, brother. Okay. And that was uh, Romans 3.10. There's none righteous, no, not none. That's right. 310? Okay, yeah. Yes. There's none. That means you, folks. That means you. I'm not going to put your name in there. That means you. Just just put your name, yourself there. You're not righteous. You never have been righteous. You're not going to be righteous. Not this righteousness. Now, then, that, then the other righteousness is a totally different ball game, and I've taught it over and over and over again ad nauseum, and probably going to keep on ad nauseum teaching it till you get it, till I can ask you and you can tell me what I'm talking about. That way, I'll know you understand. What good's a teacher if his student doesn't get what he's saying? Okay? And the Spirit of God wants to reveal it to you through His Word. You've got to spend your time in it, okay? Romans 3.21, brother. Okay, I'll start at verse 20. Good. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Now, that right there takes everybody's, everybody that, that you hear law, you're in all, that just absolutely flushes them down the toilet. They don't know what, that. just that one. There's hunt, There's all kind of verses. I go through them all the time. And then none of it's out of context. It's all got to do with God's righteousness versus your righteousness. That's exactly what Paul's talking about now. Go ahead, brother. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now... The righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. It's, it's all through the prophets. And I just gave you a specific area where you can find this righteousness talked about over and over and over again. See, to be in the presence of a sinless God, folks, you have to be sinless. Okay, go ahead, Brother David, keep on reading. Verse 22, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ. Bingo, stop right there, stop Mm -hmm. right there. Folks, get it, get it, get it, get it. Don't never miss this. Stop right here. Put this in your mind. Seal it in your heart. It's not your righteousness in God. It's not your faith in God. It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Because... He is the righteousness of God. This is the mystery that was kept hidden from the foundation of the world. It's by His faith. We went through it the other night, didn't we, Brother David? Ephesians 2, 8 9. It's the righteousness, the faith and grace is both from God. And it's Jesus Christ. It's the faith of Christ. You know what that faith was? He walked here 33 and a half years. And he walked straight to the cross of his own free will. In the faith, in his, the, in his, what is his faith? That the Father would raise him from the dead. Therefore he laid down his life willingly as a sacrifice to you. Therefore it's 
his faith that gets you in, not your faith in him. Do you get that? Is that plain, Brother David? It sure is. Continue it's reading. It's his faith. That's right. Amen. Continue reading. Which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. Amen. Now read, go to Romans two, Romans 10 and read verse 3. I was going to quote it, but go ahead and read it. Okay. Watch this close. Watch these words close. Folks, follow what he says, subject to verb, verb to subject. Watch it close. Go ahead, brother. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness... Stop. And Stop right there. Who are they? Ask the question. Who are they? Who is he talking about? What's the context? Israel. You got that, folks? Yes. It's Israel. It's, it's Israelites. It says that in verse 1. Of course it does. That's yes. the context. They are Israel. That's who he's talking to. Continue on from the comma, brother. Certainly. And going about to establish their own righteousness. See, have that's, not... the, that, that's the reason. Stop at the comma. That's the reason I'm dealing with this again tonight. There's so many people have so much trouble thinking that, well, if they just do this or they just do that, the Father will accept them. No, Paul says, we are, present tense, accepted in the beloved. Okay, brother, from the comma to the next comma. Have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. There you go. There has to be a submission unto the righteousness of God. Romans chapter 3, verse 22, we just read, told you it was the faith of Christ. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, brother, and read verse 21. Okay. Verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God. In him. Bingo! You see how I led you through that, folks? You see the answer is right there in Second Corinthians chapter 5, 22. Read it again, Brother David. For he hath made him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. There you go. You can't get no plainer. I mean, that's just pure... Third grade English, if you believe what you read. That's it. That's just the way it is. It ain't got all them people. Well, look, he, he shed his blood, but we got we to gotta continue on. We got to do good ourselves. Folks, if you could do good yourself to get in, God wouldn't have had to come manifest himself in the flesh and die for you to begin with. It's circular reasoning, folks. It's insanity. It's unbelief in the Word of God is what it is. Too much time spent with trivial matters. Too much time spent with stuff that don't matter. Okay? You got to get this and settled or you can't go on to do nothing. It's like Paul said, and we went to the other night. Brother David, you don't have to turn there. I quote it. For I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, Paul saying, it's not me that's doing the living, but Christ liveth in me, I-N-M-E. 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's the mystery of Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Paul said it was hid from the foundation of the world that you should understand this mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now listen, what he says next. And the, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of, O-F, I live by the faith of Jesus Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. You just can't get no simpler than that. That's putting everything we've just read, every, everything we've just read is exactly the same context, exactly the same subject. You couldn't separate it with a separating machine. If you miss it, you miss it because you don't want to get it. It wasn't made for you to get or whatever. Or the Spirit of God hadn't touched you. That's all I can say. You've listened too much BS. I don't understand. I don't know. I don't know. You've just got to get that. The only good part about you is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's it. Do you realize the word proud is not mentioned in the scriptures from Genesis 1 to Revelation 22 in a good light. There's nowhere the word's found in good light. Nowhere. None. Nana. You have no righteousness outside of being in Christ. Then you have the righteousness of God, which is sinless. Therefore, you go straight into the throne room. I hope, I hope somebody got that tonight that needed it. Hope you did, okay? Let's go back to Job now, brother. Certainly. Was all that clear, brother David? Do you want to add anything to that, brother? No, that was very clear. It, it was so simple. It's, you know, spot on. It's right on. It's, it, it's not confusing. It, you know, if you just wrote those verses down, if you're having trouble with it, Go into the archives, listen to it again, write those verses down with handwriting. People still do do that nowadays. Yep, Brother Don does. <laughs> write them down and then read them out loud to yourself four or five times, and I think you'll get a whole new understanding. Amen, brother. Amen. Job, chapter 32, brother. Just starting verse mm -hmm. 2 again. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzzite of the kindred of Ram against Job, was wrath kindled because he justified himself rather than God. Okay, what you have here is a young man, a whole lot younger, don't give his age, but he's younger, he's going to tell you that as it goes through his discourse. He sat back on the side. And as you see, the way he uses the pronouns, you'll understand, if you know how to understand English, that he wrote the book, okay? The ones that try to deny it just tries to strip and tear Job down completely. He's the one that wrote the book. He's telling the and tell you, I've been listening to this and I've been doing Yeah, he's been keeping a record of it, too. But his name is very peculiar. Elihu. You know what it means in Hebrew? <laughs> 
It means God himself. Shock, shock, shock. Just thought I'd throw that nugget in there. And and he goes in there and takes a buzzsaw to every, all that nonsense and cuts away all the <laughs> crap, I was going to say, those buzzites. <laughs> yeah, that's good, brother. <laughs> that's real good. But that that his, his name in the Hebrew means, means God himself. More going on there than, than these, these topical, quote-unquote, so-called preachers would tell you, okay, and teachers. Something there. Something about this whole book that's extraordinary. I haven't even touched the surface of it going through here this time, folks. I haven't even touched, not even the very skimmed the surface. Continue, brother. Verse 3. Also against his three friends was his wrath kindled, because they had found no answer and yet had condemned Job. Now Elihu had waited till Job had spoken, because they were elder than he. When Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, then his wrath was kindled, and Elihu, the son of Barakal, the Buzzite, answered and said, I am young, and ye are very old. Wherefore, I was afraid, and durst not shew mine opinion. I said, Day should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Okay, verse 7 he says, they should speak. In other words, the aged should, when they speak, have some wisdom. And a multitude of years should teach wisdom. Well, what he has set back and observed is you got these three guys blowing a bunch of hot air, even though their hot air has substance. But they hadn't, with all their bloviating, you had one of them that that didn't need that he that just kept his mouth shut after his second his second go around. He just shut up. Okay, that'd be Zohar. He just he didn't give his third discourse. The other two they talked so much they got probably got to where they liked to hear themselves talk. And the stuff they said was true partially, half truth. But they, it being that the age they were, and Job's age, they should have been understanding. There should have been wisdom with that age. But now then, this young man, who is whose name, like I said, means God himself, he's going to speak this truth. All right, Brother David, continue on. Job 32, verse 9. Great men are not always wise. Neither do the aged understand judgment. Therefore I said, hearken to me, I also will shew mine opinion. Okay, what did you notice in verse 10? Read it carefully, what do you see there? He's going to show his opinion, or tell his opinion, and he wants them to listen. Therefore I said, Hearken unto me. Therefore I said. He wrote down that he said. Anyway, I, I say y'all, you're not understanding. Oh, yes, I, I get it. That you, he's saying here, therefore I said. So he he's wrote, writing first person. 
then he's, yeah. That's it. That's it, folks. You see, you see, you see how you got to slow down, pay attention. You do have to understand English, okay? And I don't say that because I got a degree in it because I, I don't sound like it half the time when I'm talking to you, okay? The words that I use and the, and the, the way I express myself. I'm just telling you, it's third grade. Anyway, go ahead, brother. Verse 10 again. Therefore, I said, hearken to me. I also will shew mine opinion. Behold, I waited for your words. I gave ear to your reasons whilst ye searched out what to say. (laughs) Yeah, that is funny, brother. Yeah. They were talking while they were thinking. That's right. Verse 12, Yea, I attended unto you, and behold, there was none of you that convinced Job, or that answered his words. Okay. Well, Elihu is saying, you told some truth, but you ain't, oh, Job's the one that won the battle. In other words, like it was a battle, they were back and forth with one another, we'll call it a metaphorical battle, okay? Well, Job won. Job had the last word. None of them could answer Job. They didn't convince him of nothing. Last thing Job winds up doing is bragging on himself, saying how wonderful he is. Okay? That's the last thing Job's doing before he says, and Job, my words have ended. He just got through spinning yarn how wonderful he was, and he did. Folks, this is the kicker. He didn't lie. Do you understand what I'm saying, people? Everything Job said was true. He did everything that he said he did. Shouldn't God accept him? See, that's why we went into the righteousness deal to start with. To start with see, I wanted you to get it for sure. Because there's so many, especially in our persuasion, you can tell by what they're saying all the time from the abundance of the heart, you know, the mouth speaking. They all talk about what they, 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 righteousness, law. When you think of law and talk about law all the time, somewhere in the back of your mind, you think that you're doing good and your righteousness is going to get you somewhere. That's why it makes me sick. They make me want to puke because they don't know the book. They don't understand it. And it makes me worry about the Spirit of God being in them. I'm not judging. I'm just saying it makes me worry. Okay? Because Paul says, He that is spiritual judges all things, but he himself is judged of no man. Last verse in 1 Corinthians 2, folks. In case you think I'm making it up. Continue, brother. Verse 13. Lest ye should say, We have found out wisdom. God thrusteth him down, not man. Now, he hath not directed his words against me, neither will I answer him with your speeches. They were amazed. They answered no more. They left off speaking. When I had waited... That's okay, bro. I'm just laughing. Go ahead. Okay. When I had waited, for they spake not, but stood still and answered no more, I said, Okay, okay, okay. Let me just, this is what this young man, what he's saying is he sat back, they finished speaking, they got slammed, Job had the last word, and he's just been sitting back and ain't said a word because these guys are older than him, and he's being respectful. A lot more you can say for some folks today. 
Okay? They don't respect they don't respect age. Most of them, most of, when I'm folks, I'm talking about the world system. Okay? They look upon the aged now as somebody that needs to be gotten rid of, throw off in a nursing home somewhere. There's no respect. When the only ones that's got sense enough to get out of the rain, and I'm speaking metaphorically, is actually the ones that are aged. The ones that came, see, this sounds so self-aggrandizing, but I don't mean it to be that way, folks, okay? The ones that came up during when there was still some righteousness, and I'm talking about, now I am talking about, character righteousness left in this country among our people. When we're gone, and when I say we, I'm talking about the people our age. When we're gone, I hate it. I hate it for the generations coming after. Me and my brother from Columbus was talking about that today. The Lord, thank God the Lord is choosing out some younger people. You got Brother Theodore, Chance Hill. I hope he's in the chat room. Probably not, but if he is, he don't know how much I pray for him. He's a young guy. He loves God. He wants to learn the book. That's what we need. Not somebody young, 21 or 22, running about screaming Jew all day long and hollering just Jew, Jew, Jew. That's wrong. This is wrong in the Bible. We don't need that. We need some rock-solid Elahus. One comes to my mind. It was in, um, His name is Brother Jeremy Whitter. I went to Bible college with him, and he was just a young punk, wet behind the ears, never drank anything stronger than buttermilk from Tennessee. He followed me everywhere I went. We lived together, lived in the same house together. I had a big old house down there going to Bible college. I um, had about seven or eight roommates. Anyway, this kid, he right now he's running. Last time I heard in Virginia, he was running a boy's home. Now, he's a, he is one of those jewels that picked up everything he learned and believed it and applied it in his life. That's the kind of folks we need. That's what, there has to be some semblance of a foundation for our, for our people to survive righteously. Okay, character-wise, as a people, I'm talking about. I'm not even talking about, quote-unquote, Christian right now. I'm talking about just character-wise. Folks, during my early years, the people that were just as lost as hell were more outwardly righteous than the majority of the people that downloads this program, probably. Probably that would turn their face away from a half-naked body. I'm talking about unregenerate people. You think that we're better today than we used to be? I know, I know you folks that are here, and you, you don't think, surely you've got, if you think that, you got no business being here. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. It's a child's song. 
has as much impact to it as John 3.16. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Be careful, little ears, what you hear. Kindergarten song that grown folks don't even pay attention to now. That call theirself Christian. Except your faith be as the little one of these little ones, the Lord said, you'll in no wise enter the kingdom. Folks, I'm telling you, I'm telling I'm begging you, listen to what I'm saying. And you can do something about it today. You can start tomorrow by having some influence, by number one, getting your own act cleaned up, number two, taking one step forward and having an influence on those that are in your inner circle whether it's family, friends, or just somebody that's watching your life because somebody's always watching you, whether you know it or not. How do I know that? Paul says in Romans 14, no man liveth to himself and no man dieth to himself. No man is an island. Somebody's watching you. You may not know who it is, You may not know what it is, but somebody, unless you live out in the woods and in, and I don't go to town but once a year, if you're out in society, somebody's watching you. Friend, family, I'm telling you, you can have an effect. Not just with your words, but with your life. Why do you think the New Covenant in the New Testament, in the epistles, there's about 500 times more commandments to your personal life, that it that just it just totally make the 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 ten written in stone look like you know a childhood book, a Doctor Zeus book. The cat in the hat comes back. That's why them folks won't deal with the new covenant. That's why they won't deal with the epistles. How many times have I told you that? Somebody's watching you. You can start today. You can start tonight. You can, if you can, tomorrow. You've got to start sometime. I say you got to. No, you don't have to. You'll suffer the consequences by not accomplishing what the Lord put you here to do, by not completing your process not com- your completion, your perfecting process in Christ. Therefore, suffering loss at the judgment seat of Christ. That see how it all is per- all is by it's like putting a glove on. Every bit of it fits together like a glove. Everything I've just told you fits together like a glove. I'm not talking about your salvation now. See, I'm talking about rewards. An inheritance, which has is the other garment called the righteousness of the saints, Revelation chapter twenty one and twenty two. Go ahead, brother David, and get off that verse, before we go running off on another subject. Go ahead. Verse seventeen. <clears throat> I said, I will answer also my part. I also will shew mine opinion, for I am full of matter. The spirit within me constraineth me. 
interesting. He said the spirit within me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he says the spirit, the spirit within him. Yeah, the spirit was within David. It went in Paul. Mm-hmm. David's very plain that he asked the Lord not to take the Holy Spirit from him. Mm-hmm. Take not thy yeah. Holy Spirit from me. The spirit is not an indwelling thing in the Old Testament, folks, contrary to the false teachers out there. There's no such animal. The The Holy Spirit of God does not indwell anyone until the New Testament. Why do you think they had to sit around and wait for it at Pentecost? Why do you think Paul said, now we're sealed by that same Spirit until the day of redemption? Folks have went through this ad nauseum. Some stuff folks still don't get it, I don't guess. The Spirit of God came on Saul left him. Come on him again and left him and never came back. Spirit of God came on Samson. That's the Holy, same Holy Spirit. It's just not working the same. The actions are different in the Old Covenant. That's part of spiritual circumcision. See, I've taught all that. I'll go teach it again. Till you get it. I'll keep on till you understand it. Because if you get that, you don't have no problem with the rest of this coloring book. All them questions don't pop up in your mind. I don't say anybody can misunderstand that you are sealed to the day of redemption. The day of redemption is the day of the Lord Jesus Christ coming back. You're in like plant. If you're sealed, you're sealed by an eternal spirit. Sealed. Do you know what the word sealed means? It means that you're kept safe. You're safe. You're safe. You're safe. That's your soul and your spirit on the inside kept sealed by the Holy Spirit of God. The flesh goes right back to the dirt. I'm not going to get off on that. Continue to read, Brother David. Verse 19. Behold, my belly is as wine which hath no vent. It is ready to burst like new bottles. In other words, he's been, this stuff is building up in him. His face is getting flushed. Go ahead, Brother. I will speak that I may be refreshed. I will open my lips and answer. Let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person, neither let me give flattering titles unto man, for I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would soon take me away. You see what, you see what this guy got it down. He, this, this young kid, if I should say such, this young man, he understands. He understands. And there's so many people out there that want to be loved by the world. That want to be loved by the people. When I'm talking about loved, I'm talking about admired or thought good of, you see. I know it's what it says about a good name is rather to be. I know what it says in the book of Proverbs, folks. I know what a good character is all about. I understand how important it is. But that's not the main thing, see. From your brethren, from your Christian brethren. While I'm talking, Brother David, right now, I want you to turn to Acts chapter, uh, let me see, Acts chapter, um, shoot, 16. We'll start there. Okay. I think it's chapter 16. Chapter 11, just turn to chapter 11, okay? Okay. Then we'll go from there. We'll get there. But anyway, what I'm saying I know people. I know people that are that that listen to this program. 
but are ashamed for anybody to know that they listen to this program. What does that say? That you know, you know what? If I was ashamed of anything that I did, as long as it wasn't offensive to my true brother, because we're not supposed to do things that offend the brothers, okay? When it comes to habits and and uh, some of our actions that are questionable, that stuff is handled in Romans chapter fourteen, okay, and First Timothy chapter three or chapter four, first six verses. That's doubtful things, you know. That that's handled there, and also in First Corinthians chapter seven or six, excuse five, excuse me. I've covered them before. I guess I'll have to cover them again. Nobody else out there is covering them. They don't even know where they're at, much less how to cover them. Anyway, what I'm talking about now, I'm serious. When it comes to this book, if you're ashamed of Jesus Christ, he's going to be ashamed of you. If you're ashamed of somebody that that proclaims his word and stands on his word, if you're ashamed of that, if you try to keep it in a bottle, keep it hidden in the closet, he's going to be ashamed of you. How do I know that? Because that's what the book says. He that confesseth me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. You know what the flip side of that is? Go read it. He'll tell you. (laughs) See? Yeah. Lahu's not ashamed at all. If it's good enough for you, why isn't it good enough for your brother or sister? Huh? Why why not? Ask yourself those questions. Oh uh, yes. Chapter sixteen, verse eleven, brother. I think that's the verse. I think that's see if you uh, see you said, you said to go to Acts. 11? You said chapter, 16. Chapter 11, verse 26, I believe, brother. Okay. I want to show We're going to stop with chapter 1 tonight, dealing with this right here, with the book of Job. But I want to get something uh, straightened up here about the word Christian. All right? There's a lot of attack, especially among the Yahweh's and the Yashu, all that junk. Because they, they they want to be so different than what, what they call Judeo-Christianity, okay? When most of the ones I know that are even affiliated with that couldn't tell you a Jew from a, a shamrock from Ireland, okay? They just know it in their head. They don't believe it in their heart. But that's a neither here nor there. But I want to deal with this word Christian. Why? Because that's not what we were first that's not what we were first realized as, okay? Our once the when the church was born originally the, at the birth of the church, we were known as the way. Yes, that's what we were known as. It graduated into the word Christian, and we'll go to the verse that tells you the first place we were ever called Christians. It's don't, don't, the word Christian occurs twice. The word Christians occurs once. Okay? Read verses 11, 26, brother. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass 
that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. There, by the way, we're in the in Antioch is the roots of the Textus Receptus, the Antiochian text from Antioch. Through Tatian's Diatessaron, I'm giving you some manuscript evidence now, okay, in case you wonder what I'm talking about. The manuscript for the Bible you've got in front of you, if it if it is a Bible, if it's the King James Bible, okay? The roots originated in the first place where we were called Christians, and that was Antioch. It's the Antiochian manuscripts down through Tatian, and 150 to 200 A.D., and Tatian's Diatessaron, which is the earliest manuscripts, right on through to the Textus Receptus, to the received text. Anyway, just thought I'd see how the two connect. First place we're called Christian, and that's where the earliest manuscripts come from that are related to the Textus, Textus Receptus, which where your King James Bible is translated from as a whole, as a general rule, from the received text. Where the Holy Spirit was working and where you were first, your ancestors were first called Christian. Hey, now I know all about how these people use that name in a flim-flam way today. I understand that. But there's no need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm never going to because it's in the book. It's in the book, so I'll always call myself a Christian. Started out as the way. Turn to chapter 9, verse 2, brother. Let's see where this way started out at. Start read verse 1 and 2 in Acts chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. Okay. And saw, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. There you go. There's that way, this way. We were the way, the way. That's what we were. Look at 19.9, brother. 9 and 9, yeah, chapter 9, 19, verse 9. Okay, 19.9. And 23. 19, verse 9, and I think 23, 22 or 23. Okay, verse 9. But when divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil of that way. There you go. That's good enough. Now drop down to 23. Okay. For a certain man named Demetrius, a silversmith, which made silver shrines for Diana, brought no small gain unto the craftsmen, whom he called together, with the workmen of like occupation, and said, Sirs, ye know that by this craft we have our wealth. Moreover, ye see and hear that none alone at Ephesus, but almost throughout all Asia, this Paul hath persuaded and turned away much people, saying that they be no gods, which are made with hands. Hmm, I must have gave you a wrong reference there. But anyway, go to... I think see. it's in there, actually, uh, that they're followers of the way, but... Uh, 
Oh yeah, well, they're, they're they're definitely there. But let's yeah. see what let's see in Paul's ministry the way the world looked at us. Okay, let's see what did they tack on the way, or did they use where they used the word that came out of Antioch called Christian? By the way, if you can't break it, it means Christ-like, folks. Okay, that's what the word means. Christian, it means Christ-like. In Germany, in Germany during Martin Luther's time, Christians were called Little Christies, Little Christ. That was in Germany during Martin Luther's time. Okay, and some of the martyrs were called those Little Christies, but they were all called Christian as a whole. Chapter 26, this is getting further on in Paul's ministry. Start reading, brother, about verse, um, blah, 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 I guess, about 25 and read down to verse 28. Let's see where Paul's at and get the context of what's going on. Acts 26, 25, 25. through 28. 25 through 28, yeah. Okay, here we go. But he said, I am not mad, most noble Festus, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. Okay, let me tell you what's going on here. Paul is in chains. He's brought before Agrippa and Festus, okay? And he's preaching to them. He's explaining to them the gospel. Go ahead, brother. Brother Dave. Um, Yeah, verse 26. For the king knoweth of these things, before whom also I speak freely. For I am persuaded that none of these things are hidden from him. For this thing was not done in a corner. Okay, Paul's referring to everything from the resurrection to the some of the dead saints rising out of the grave in Acts cha- and Matthew chapter twenty-seven fifty-six, and also the spirit the spirit coming down in in Acts chapter two on up until when he's preaching right now. Continue on, brother. Verse twenty-seven, King Agrippa, believest thou the prophets? I know that thou believest. Then Agrippa said unto Paul, Almost though thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Okay. Almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. What does that one little verse tell you, Brother David? Look at That's, it for a second. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Okay. Well, what it tells me is that Paul was now... Um, the followers of Paul were known as Christians, or the followers of Christ were now known as Christian, and it was common, and even the king knew that. Yes, and it also tells you that not being a Christian, you can become one. Mm, yes. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure that got in there, okay? You know what Amen. I'm saying. Turn to First Peter chapter okay. 4 and read, and read verses uh, 14 through 16. So you think I'm just an old Pauline person, huh? Let's see what Brother Peter has to say about this subject. Go ahead, brother. First Peter four fourteen. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. Isn't that and so okay? I just I got I can't pass that up without making comment about it. Can you just see how happy would you be if somebody ran up to you tomorrow and slapped you and called you a blankety blank Christian? Would you be happy? 
you might be happy after you got over your little mad spell and and came into a Bible study and we brought it up. You might, after in hindsight, you might be happy. But would you be happy at the, at that specific time? See, that's what you want to get to, folks. That's the perfecting process. You want to get to the point. And there ain't none of us perfected. There ain't none of us that are perfect. None of us have attained yet. The great apostle Paul had, didn't even obtain. That's what he was trying to do. That's what he talks about in Philippians chapter 2 and 3. Just think about that. That's part. See, that's part of this perfecting process Brother Don tells you about. That's why all the New Testament commandments... It's a perfecting, a growth, a growth process, like like a tree growing, Brother David. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway, go ahead. Keep on reading, Brother. I'll read it. Start again from the top. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. Glorify God on what behalf that you're suffering? Huh? See what I mean, folks? As a Christian. It grew. It was at that we were first called Christians, and it stuck with it. It started out as the way. And let me tell you right now, and I, I'm going to record this with loud, huge capital letters. Christianity is not a religion. Christianity is not a religion. It is a way of life. That's the reason it was called the way, originally. It's not a set of do-do this and don't do that. That's Old Testament. That's abs- that, was, that was given. Nobody kept it. They tell you in the book of Acts, and that part of the James and Peter, they all tell you, we couldn't do, why should we put on this new bunch of believers what we couldn't even do ourselves? The answer is, you don't. So why do you still have people in our persuasion running around try to putting on putting on our people something that they can't do with their new moons, their Sabbath days, and all this junk that are not now, but for a they're a shadow of things to come later on. And Brother Don has taught you about that period of time that's coming later on. And every major, not every major, one didn't miss it. Most major quote-unquote Bible scholars, missed it. They missed it. They missed it. And that's the last eight chapters in the, in the book of Ezekiel. That's when all that stuff comes back in. Every bit of it comes back in. But not for you. That ain't you there. If that's you there, you're in a world of hurt. You're in a world of hurt. You don't want to be there. You don't want to have to go through all that stuff again. But I imagine that the ones that run around talking about it all the time, that's exactly where they're going to wind up. You want to be in the New Jerusalem, not in the old. You want to be in the heavenly Jerusalem, the last four chapters of the book of Hebrews, 
not in the old. You seek for another country, a heavenly country, not of this earth. Your abode is not this earth. Your abode is the new Jerusalem that comes down from God out of heaven. Your abode and your position is the bride of Christ. You are the body of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. That's why marriage is a type of Christ and the church. Flesh joining flesh. True marriage is flesh joining flesh. Got nothing to do with a, a certificate. Got nothing to do with wedding vows. Got nothing to do with a ceremony. I'm talking about biblically. I'm not talking about obeying the laws of the land. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about biblical marriage. It's flesh joining flesh. Got nothing to do with a set of rules. Got nothing to do with certificates and license. Got nothing to do with none of that. It's flesh joining flesh. And anybody that has any doubt what I'm telling you is true, go back and listen to the teachings of, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, 6 and 7, chapter 6 and verse 7. That's why fornication is such a, a bad no-no because the joining of flesh is marriage in God's eyes. And a divorce in God's eyes is flesh leaving flesh. Simple. No papers involved. It's desertion. It's flesh leaving flesh. Period. Period. The Catholic Church is the one that started called it a sacrament, not the Lord, not the New Testament teaching. And I'm not going to go off on that. And I didn't say, I didn't say run around, shack, I didn't say none of that shacking up stuff. No, no. You're supposed to live honestly before God and man. You're supposed to obey the powers that be, okay? So I'm not saying, I'm just telling you the, the bare facts of the marriage, of what a marriage is. There was no preacher's. There was no ceremony and no license given out with Mother Eve and Father Adam. Man shall leave his father and mother and cleave, or white woman shall leave her father and mother cleaving to her husband, and they cleave unto her husband, flesh joining flesh, and they too shall be one flesh. And Paul gives in, a, in Ephesians chapter 5, he goes through a long dissertation about Wives, submit yourself to your husband. Husband, be as Christ and treat your wife like Christ loved the church. And the last two verses tells you it's a great mystery. But he's speaking concerning Christ and the church. Everything Brother Don is telling you guys is absolutely infallibly true from the Word of God. Not my opinion. It's what the book says. Contrary to all the man-made fallacies it's, that spread around out there and all this supposed living in adultery and all that's all man-made BS. Marriage is flesh joining flesh. Divorce is flesh leaving flesh. Period. On that bright note, is there any questions in the chat room? No, sir. Okay. Brother David, anything you want to add? Just that the word Christian, you don't have to use another word to describe a, a born-again, transformed follower of Christ. It's been given to us 
by the scripture, he's called a Christian. What we need to change for those who are confused is their definition of the word. What does Christian mean? It's like uh, before they had the revelation of who the Jew was, they thought the Jews were the people of God or yep. the Jews were this and that. They never really paid much attention to them. But now these people understand who the Jews are. Now when they use that same word, Jew has a whole different idea in their head of who they are. They're no longer the children of God. They are the children of Satan. Amen. And when you use the word Christian, when you get the revelation of what a Christian is, you will understand they're not those who are walking around confused uh, doing the devil's work because they don't understand who Christ is and don't understand who Yahweh is, but they're people who have been born of the Spirit of God. They are the righteousness of God, and that's why they're called Christians. They are the righteousness of Christ. Amen. Well Just said. change the definition. Absolutely. To the right one. Amen. That's correct. Absolutely correct. Absolutely correct. Folks, you can be you want to be different than the world. You wanna you wanna stand out and be different than them quote unquote Judeo Christians act like Christ. It's that's what the word means, it's Christ like. Then uh, then then strive to in the perfecting process. Godliness, see folks. Godliness not only profiteth in this life. By the way, godliness, you do know what that means, right? Godliness not only profiteth in this life, see, as far as people seeing you and you being a witness, and like I was telling you a while ago, being an influence to friends, families, or those your circle, immediate circle around you. It's not only profitable in this life, but also in that which is to come. See, that you that's something you can carry with you. We got one question. Yes. Guess seven asks, how does the word anointed fit into Christ? How does the word anointed? I don't boy, I don't know what they mean. Boys and the word anointed fit into Christ. I don't understand. Well, how do I the think two tie together? Christ was the anointed one. The Messiah. You know how um, many people who are followers of certain guys who sound like Bildad, they uh, say that uh, all Israelites are the anointed. Oh, I know that's what they think. And so I got a feeling this is what he's talking about. Yeah. How do you relate anointed to Christ? Is uh, the anointed Israel or is the anointed something else. Hey, I'm in the one anointed, so I'm anointed. Amen. Got that? I mean, I'm in him, and he's in me. It's a great mystery, and therefore, I'm anointed in the anointed one. Period. That's the way I guess I would answer that, because that's the truth. Mm-hmm. And the reason nobody understands it, well, I'm not, I'll be, I'll be here for 30 more minutes if I get into that. I'll say this. It's called a mystery. How do you understand that mystery? By the Spirit of God. He comes and leads us, guides us into all things. How do you receive that Spirit? It's all through the book of Acts. 
It just didn't flop down on everyone. If if those people that are teaching you that can get every Israelite all over the world to the day of Pentecost, I'll buy it. But guess what? They didn't. They didn't. But the Lord wanted to do that. He wanted a national anointing. He really did. That's that was the original the original plan. And see, it sounds so blasphemous to think you mean God God carries out his plan. Of course he does. But he came into his own. Why didn't his own receive him? Why didn't they all receive him? See what I'm saying? But his own received him not. But as many of his own did receive into them. Gave he power to become the sons of God. And he gave them second chance after say gave them one he gave them one chance at the crucifixion when he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And he God answered that prayer. And the first six chapters of the book of Acts took place. A national message in Acts chapter two took place. Two thousand, as many as the Lord added of Israelites came in along with proselytes. Read the chapter. And it started from there. And it started growing. Then every every representative from all Israel, I'm talking about Judah Israel, I'm not talking about the scattered tribes. Every representative from the known Israel of that time, Judah Israel, were assembled when Stephen preached in Acts chapter 7. And Stephen preached probably the greatest message our people ever heard, anointed, there's just some anointing, anointed by the Spirit of God. He preached to all every to representatives from all over the known oikumene. Okay, I'll use that word. The known world. From Judah Israel. And you know what they did? That was their last chance. How do you know that was their last chance, Brother Don? If you read the chapter, it's staring you right in the face. And 99% of all the biblical teachers and scholars missed it. Jesus Christ is standing, ready to come back and fulfill everything. You wouldn't have had no epistles. You wouldn't have had nothing as far as this completed scripture. You would have Genesis to Malachi, and that would have been it. There wouldn't have been no New Testament written if they would have accepted the message that Stephen preached. And the reason you know that is because after Acts chapter 7, every other time you hear about the Lord, he's seated. That, that's how important the difference between S-T-A-N-D-I-N-G and S-E-A-T-E-D is. See? see, the words I speak to you, they are spirit. They are life. See? Every time after that, the Lord is sitting at the right hand of the Father. And how do you know that still? That don't mean, yeah, it does, because right after that, he calls out the Apostle Paul and sends him to the to the rest of the tribes that are scattered abroad. And then it becomes individual. National stops completely. For the time being, it acts chapter 7. And comes back at a later date when the deliverer shall come out of Zion, Acts chapter 11, then all Israel shall be saved. That's national. 
But right now, it's individual. Contrary to all those false teaching reprobates out there that won't spend time in the book other than try to destroy it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time we've had tonight around your word as always, Father. It's not only wonderful, it's uh, not only a privilege, but it's our duty. It's our duty as bond slaves to you, Lord Jesus Christ, soon to be your bride, soon to stand beside you in glory as the espoused virgin, pure and white. We thank you for that privilege. We thank you for the honor. We thank you to be able to bow the knee to serve you. And when we've done all we can do, we can say that it was just our duty to do as unprofitable servants for the time being. During this perfecting process, this growth period, this purging process, so we can shine as your jewels. Yes. Father, I pray that your spirit would impress on everyone under the sound of my voice. Give them the unction for obedience to your word. Give them the unction of faith and belief in every single word that you have recorded. And let those words work in our heart. For we know that you've promised us over and over again that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And I ask all these things in the name of of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Amen. Contact uh, information for uh, Don Just a second, Spears. brother. Just a second before you give out that contact information, okay. brother. Folks, I really appreciate you being there in the chat room tonight. It means a lot to me. I keep saying that over and over again. I mean every bit of it over and over and over again. Don't you ever think that I take you for granted? I miss you when you're not there. Even the ones that I don't know their name, I miss when I guess six, five, seven, whatever, don't pop up. I miss you, and I pray for you, even though I don't know your name. The Lord knows who you are, and I appreciate from the depths of my heart you being there. I appreciate all you faithful downloaders, and you are faithful, and I appreciate it very much. I even appreciate the ones that listen to this program for entertainment. I appreciate you being there because I understand how the Spirit of God works in people's lives. See, I understand that. That don't matter whether you like me or not. The Spirit of God's the one that does the teaching anyway. And I appreciate you very much just taking your time to listen. All right, Brother David, go ahead. Okay, contact info. Telephone number 334-397-2333. Again, that's 334-397-2333. Three three. The email is joydon one nine five three at yahoo dot com. Joydon nineteen fifty three at yahoo dot com. Mailing address is three one five five Louisville Street. That's three one five five Louisville Street, apartment D one D as in Don D one. Clio C L I O Clio Alabama three six zero one seven. Three six zero one seven. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you, Brother David. And you won't be here Sunday night, right? That's correct. Okay, it'll be Brother Jason then Sunday night. Folks, Lord willing, we'll be back Sunday night.
same time, same place, and we'll be in Acts chapter eighteen or Acts chapter seventeen, part two. And Brother Jason, Lord willing, will be with us then. Good job, Brother David, Brother Thank Kevin. You. Again, folks, God bless you for being there. Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday night. Good night, folks. Good night, all. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.